Well, we're in a series called Rise to the Challenge, and we're midway. We've done three messages about challenges that each of us have to deal with, and we're going to now take three messages and show the kind of traits, the kind of habits, the kind of practices we need uh, if we're going to rise to the challenge. Each week I've started this way, though. Life is a never-ending series of challenges from birth to death. That's just reality. That's for all of us. Secondly, sometimes we choose the challenges, and sometimes the challenges choose us. The first three messages have dealt with challenges that choose us. We, we dealt with the first one, the world, the world system, as it's governed and led by Satan himself. The second message dealt with the, the flesh, that inward part of ourselves that develops apart from Christ and then becomes a source of temptation for us for the rest of our days. And then last week, and I strongly urge anybody who didn't get the message last week, go back and listen to it online, but we dealt with the devil. So the world, the flesh, and the devil, these are challenges that choose us. We have no choice. We, we can't get away from these. But now we're going to look at three traits or characteristics that we can choose to develop these we can choose to cultivate these or not but if we're going to rise to the first three challenges it is necessary that we choose to uh, embrace these three traits and practices finally this unless we rise to the god-given challenges we unnecessarily forfeit the god-given opportunities they bring we we must not be afraid of challenges we must not be afraid of things that stretch us and pull us out of our comfort zones these are the things that give us an opportunity for growth and development and so every challenge should be embraced because that's something that God intends to be for our good ultimately and even to make us more effective than what we might be otherwise without the challenges. All right, today we're going to deal with this challenge. Rise to the perception challenge. Now, by perception, I, I mean seeing things as they are, seeing what really is, but that's not alone what perception comes to it's it's then understanding what we're seeing that's what i mean by perception we could call it discernment but it's um, this opportunity or this this ability to see things the way that god sees them the way he reveals them to us and then to understand the way that they're meant to Im, Im, um, impact us so let's go ahead and look at a portion of scripture from matthew 16 here's the lord jesus dealing with some individuals that had a perception problem they were the religious leaders of his day the pharisees and the sadducees and you got to get the picture these are people that have been waiting for 1500 years of course they weren't that old themselves but for 1500 years they've been waiting for the the arrival of the christ the messiah and the christ the messiah is here face to face with these guys and they they hate him they dislike him let me go beyond that. They're face-to-face -face with God, the creator of the universe, and they hate him and dislike him, and yet these are individuals that were steeped in Scripture. Most of them had the entire Old Testament memorized. So that's who he's in this conversation with. When it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning there will be a storm today, for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky, but cannot discern the signs of the times meaning what i've said here was the arrival they were in the very presence of the creator of the universe the christ the messiah they had been waiting for but because of their personal biases they wanted a political militaristic messiah they they didn't see him they didn't receive him let me take you to a second portion of scripture from first chronicles 12 it says from issachar men who understood the times 
and knew what Israel should do. When we understand the times, when we see things from God's vantage point, we will then have the capacity to understand what to do. It's critical that we have the um, perception challenge, that we have it where we're going to embrace it and we're going to rise to it. Now, I'm going to take you to one more scripture that takes us to where we're going to get to in the message. John 9, Jesus speaking, he says, As long as it's day, we must keep on doing the work of the one who sent me. The night is coming when no one can work. Jesus is talking about perhaps his own death coming, but I don't think it was just that. He's speaking beyond, and he's talking about the times that are going to precede his very coming when situation on earth is going to be a dark place to be. So, We've got to ask ourselves, do we understand that we're in a transition time? When, when, I, when I did this series or when I put this series together, I felt like the Lord was leading me to put it together because we are in a transition time. If you look in the Bible, there's been times in history where God intervenes in special ways and there are transitional periods. For example, before the flood, you know, he calls on Noah to build an ark. It's 120 years. People had time to think about what was going on to change the direction of their lives, but they didn't. You think about the era where the Messiah finally comes. It had been predicted for about 1,500 years. The Christ, the Messiah, would come. Sometimes in the Old Testament, it sounded like the Messiah is God. Sometimes it sounded like he was human. Of course, in Jesus, he was both. But when, when the arrival came, they weren't ready for the transition. It was a transition period. We are in a transition period. We are in the biggest transition period that there ever has been in history. We are the, the generation that is likely to be alive to see the very return of Christ. Not his first coming, but his second coming. So we of all people need to kind of be prepared because the last thing we want is to be blindsided. Now, ladies, you, you understand this better than men. So men, just kind of relax for a minute. But ladies, when you're watching the football games later today, and, and you know, you know, ladies, that that running back, before he's going to take the hit, he tightens up, or that wide receiver. And when they get hurt, when they get hurt is when they're blindsided. They're not ready for that hit. And, and ladies, once again, guys, just kind of learn. Um, you ladies, you know that all professional boxers say that the punch that knocks you down, the punch that knocks you out, is the one you don't see. Now, guys, now you know as well. Uh, <laughs> God doesn't want his people. He doesn't want his children blindsided. He doesn't want to see us get unnecessarily hurt because we're not prepared for the blow that's coming. He doesn't want, to doesn't want to see us knocked out, knocked out of our walk with Christ, our effectiveness for Christ, because we're blindsided by the things that are coming. We are in a transition period. I'm not trying to scare anybody. In fact, I hope I'm cheering everybody that you are thinking in terms of, I can't believe that I have been privileged privileged allowed to live at such a time as this you guys don't know how unique you are you, you don't know how anomalous you are let me let me tell you what i'm getting at how many of you have electricity in your home can i see your hands wow wow <laughs> you and i grew up on electricity we grew up on flushing toilets we grew up on 3,500-pound vehicles that could fly up and down highways, trains, planes, uh, screens galore. We grew up on this stuff. It's normal for us. We've never known a time in our life when these things weren't normal and a part of our life. They estimate about 108 billion people have ever lived and died on planet Earth. Do you want to make a guess on what percentage have even had electricity? 
about 3%. You're anomalous. You're unique. Whether we know it or not, we are living at a time of both prophetic convergence where the the bible which is about one-third predictive prophecy where god alone who sees the future foretells the future no other religious writing on the planet has that aspect in it with with absolutely uh, critically you, you can check the development whether it's a, a nation or a king you can check these prophecies and see if they come to pass no other writing has that but the bible says that we're living in one of these transition times so God doesn't want us blindsided he doesn't want us knocked out he doesn't want us knocked down so we need to be willing to do this prepare ourselves or prepare yourself for the approaching spiritual darkness we're a privileged generation but it doesn't mean that we we aren't going to go through a difficult period on earth and that's what God wants us to understand 2 Timothy chapter 3 the apostle Paul last of his writings he's writing to uh, Timothy who's going to have to kind of take over the kingdom ministry after Paul is uh, executed by Nero. He says, but mark this, there will be, what kind of times? Terrible times. When? In the last days. This is talking about the transition period just before the return of Christ. Now, the rest of the passage is going to explain why the times will be terrible. They're going to be terrible because of the kind of people the kind of culture that will globally be present on the planet. By the way, he's, he's emphasizing terrible times, which is indicating they weren't occurring at that time. As bad as things were in the Roman Empire, these conditions weren't existed. He's talking about a future time in the last days that will be unprecedented compared to anything that was existent at that time or leading up to it. So he's going to give the description. Here's why the time's going to be so terrible. The people will be, first of all, narcissists, lovers of themselves. They think that it's all about them. I'm just curious. You know anybody that thinks it's all about them? <laughs> if you're sitting at them, don't, 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 don't look by. You know, don't, don't. <laughs> people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, because money gives you instant gratification. And if you love yourself, you want instant gratification. You want when you, what you want, when you want, how you want it. They'll be boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, and unholy. It goes on, without love, no capacity for love. I I, I can see this occurring today. People have less and less capacity to actually love because love requires unselfish giving to others with no certainty that you're going to be reciprocated, and that's dying uh, amongst us. They're going to be unforgiving. You cross one of these folks, you'll never be forgiven. Vengeance is coming your way. Slanderous. They look for the worst in people. They amplify the worst. They put the worst construction on what others do. It's a negative, destructive outlook on others. Without what? Self-control. No self-control. They are so used to living by their feelings and by their bodily desires They have now lost control, and many pride themselves on their explosive loss of self-control. You can hardly turn on the TV news anymore without seeing somebody just screaming, screeching at the top of their lungs, either in an airplane or out in the streets demonstrating or something like that. People are losing control, and they're kind of proud. They use it as a weapon. They use it as a tool to get their way. Loss of control. They're brutal. Now we have violence. Not lovers of the good. Mock that which is good disdain toward that which is good they're treacherous they're rash impulsive they're conceited lovers of pleasure more than lovers of god 
having a form of godliness or spirituality, but denying its power. It is not unusual to meet people today that say, I'm a very spiritual person. But yet when you talk to them further, you find that whatever they're calling spirituality, it doesn't modify their conduct at all. It doesn't modify their, their moral outlook at all. It allows them to do whatever they want to do, however they want to do it, but they still have this, this spiritual dimension to their life. That's what it's talking about there. Verse 13 has this, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. So here's God in his love telling people that are in this transition period of the last days. We are in the last days. And I know some of you are probably saying, well, Randy, why do you, how do you know we're in the last days? Well, I'm gonna, I could run through it real quick, but just let me just share this. From 1948 in the rebirth of the nation of Israel, the last day's clock started ticking. Israel ceased to exist as a nation in 70 AD when Titus, a Roman general, came in, destroyed Jerusalem, destroyed the temple. The temple has not existed for 1,953 years since. But the clock started ticking in 1948 because the Bible kept predicting again, one-third predictive prophecy, that Israel will be reborn as a nation, that they would recapture Jerusalem, which they did in 1967. And so we are, from that perspective alone, we're in that time frame called the last days. And of course now we're living in a time of technological, geopolitical convergence, as well as all these other factors that the Bible talks about. Anyway, let's go to the second point. This shows again about what a difficult society, the dark society, we're going to have. We're going to need some real night vision glasses. It says, although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but they also approve of those who practice them. This is something that you see more and more of today is that no matter what a person does, no matter what a person thinks, no matter what a person, person says, they can pretty much go online and find some group of people somewhere that will affirm them no matter what it is they want. We are comfortable, I'm not saying you guys, but our society is comfortable affirming people in their evil, even encouraging people to do more evil. And when I say evil, I mean that which God says is not the way he designed human beings to live. So this affirmation, this comfort with evil, this, this almost applauding those that are given over to a contrary lifestyle to the way God created us. Let's add to this in, Rome, excuse me, in Isaiah 5, verse 20. The Lord says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Now here again, we're living at a time where this is happening more and more. Things that throughout history have been recognized as wrong, as immoral, as evil, as destructive, are all of a sudden being applauded and they're considered good. And those things that were considered historically good are being mocked and considered evil. So once again, we're seeing these things. But again, we're talking about it on an unprecedented global scale and that's why Paul said it's in the, the last days that these terrible times are coming. God wants us to have perception. He wants us to understand. He wants us to discern the times that we're in. It is a time of transition. It's a glorious time of transition because literally, I believe most of us in this room, if not all of us, will live to see the return of Christ, the establishment of his kingdom for 1,000 years on this earth, and the most beautiful time that the earth has ever seen. I really think, based on the Bible prophecies that I've studied for many, many decades now, you're likely to live to see that. There's three areas, three areas we must rise to the perception challenge. 
we're going to be confronted with spiritual deception on a level that no other generation ever has and last week in the message about the devil about satan uh, i shared how jesus himself said that in matthew 24 there will be suddenly the appearance of many he didn't say a few he didn't say you know one he said many false christ who will do the exact same kinds of miracles that jesus himself did the planet is going to suddenly be flooded with these false messiahs false christ they're going to do miracles just like jesus and of course they're going to be declaring a different god a god who is unknown to um, any of the the people that were a part of israel or, or since a god that we'll, we'll see about in a minute will appear in a rebuilt jewish temple at some point so spiritual deception mark it away because i see christians very vulnerable to this anytime they see something miraculous anytime they hear something miraculous they assume that it's of god that is a really dangerous assumption because the scripture teaches that in this transition time these last days that the next wave of supernatural miraculous activity it's not going to be from god and if you don't discern that if you don't perceive that if you're not prepared for that you'll be unnecessarily hurt by that and maybe even knocked out of your walk with Christ that's not what God wants for any of us the second area will be this moral confusion and we see more moral confusion today I believe than any time in human history I mean let, let's just consider one thing and I'm not going to get all, get off on a tangent here but but con consider that you have moms and I believe that that all moms on some level at least for the most part really love their children but you have moms today that take their kids to story time and and drag these grotesque monstrous looking drag queens are doing the story time with their kids these are mothers taking their kids to be abused this would have been considered abuse in other ages going by but not anymore it's looked at as just completely normal how many of you know that right now in this country there was cases fought and now they're existent there are satan clubs in elementary schools how many knew that can i see your hands there are is it going to be a surprise that after three years at satan club little bobby's got some problems i mean come on it's the satan club <laughs> but this is where we're at you know there were good news clubs which are bible teaching clubs in in elementary school so you got to have satan club and everything is equal everything's considered okay so moral confusion it's going to get harder and harder to discern what is right what is wrong what is true what is not true third area prophetic in education yes in education is a word i looked it up <laughs> um, and by prophetic in education i mean if we don't know that one third of the bible that god has given predictive prophecies if we're not taught it if we're not familiar with it we're not going to know what's happening geopolitically especially now th this is no pat on the back or anything but but i just want to share some truth with you most churches do not teach they don't even attempt to teach the predictive prophecies of the bible i did this in the first service how many of you are from uh, a different church background uh, can i just see your hands you you've been a participant okay all right when you were in your different church background how many of you did not hear any teaching about the prophecies of the bible can i see your hands again yeah almost all the same hands that's normative it's no knock it's just reality churches don't teach this portion of the bible and the bible believing churches christ-centered churches that do bear with me they often do it in kind of a casual sweeping manner they, they don't 
They don't get into it where people can understand the specifics enough that it becomes dynamic and helpful to them. You have to take it a little bit deeper than what most churches, even the good Bible-believing church. Now, again, this is no pat on our back. I, I mean, there's many churches that are really seriously teaching the prophetic uh, scriptures. In fact, more churches, I think, are starting to do that. But, man, if there's ever a time we've got to know what God says about the future, we've got to know it now. So, so, so thank you. Um, what... What I want to do, in your program, you have this handout. So I, I, I was thinking to myself, I could have written this gargantuan list of things to watch for, but it would have been of no use because it's overwhelming. So I wrote down five things that you can watch for because these things will be so easy to detect, it will alert, alert you, the alarm will go off, and you will know, hey, we're, we're in the time zone where the return of Christ is very, very near. Let, let me walk through these with you real quick. I just wanted you to have something, a tool, man, to, to go to so that as you read the geopolitical things happening and the occurrences in the world, you'll, you'll know what's going on. Prophetic watch points. Okay, in Matthew 24, verses 7 through 9, and the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 1 through 11, you have these things compressed together. There's going to be a time, a time frame, a compressed time frame when these things are going to converge. They're going to be happening simultaneous and on a grander scale than what the world has ever seen. Wars, earthquakes, famines, pandemics, mass persecution of Christians. Read these passages on your own. You will see what I'm saying is all there. You say, what scale? The book of Revelation says in the, in the fourth seal that one quarter of the earth's population will be killed off in these things you're talking two billion people in a very short period of time you will you will recognize that if it's happening if you see the convergence of earthquakes massive earthquakes global scale wars famines pandemics and the persecution of christians which jesus talks specifically about in verse 9 of matthew 24 well then you'll know you'll know you're very very close to the return of christ you can't miss these signs that's why i wanted things that you just when you see them you will know immediately second one israel is going to be attacked by iran turkey sudan libya and other islamic nations ezekiel 38 1 through 9 these nations, we hear about them. We know that right now Iran is, is a mortal enemy of Israel. We know that Turkey just spoke out about attacking Israel if they continue expanding the war that they're in now with, with uh, Hamas. These are all Islamic nations, and the Bible predicted way in advance that they in the last days will attack Israel. Keep watch for this. Because when you see this happening, once again, we know the time is getting short before the wonderful, glorious return of Christ and the establishment of His kingdom on this earth for a thousand years. Let me give you a few more. A being, and I say being because it is not a human, it, it is an angel. It will appear as a human, but it's Abaddon. It's the, the, uh, the angel from the abyss that you read about in Revelation 9. A being will claim to be our God, our Creator, and He will do so in the Jewish temple. You can't miss that event. When you, when you hear of a being in a rebuilt Jewish temple, there's no Jewish temple right now, who claims to be our creator, who claims to be God, well, then you know, frankly, you have 3.5 years left before the return of Christ. 
Now notice what I said. There is no Jewish temple now. Titus destroyed the Jewish temple in 70 AD. It's been 1953 years. There's no, there's no temple. So this prediction can't take place. Christ will not return until this happens. Now, some of you are probably wondering, well, well I've heard that Christ can return at any minute. But the Bible gives all these signs. God gives all these signs to his people because he does not want his people blindsided. He does not want his people to receive a knockout blow. He wants us to be prepared. This is one you can't miss. Uh, the Jewish temple sacrifices are going to be stopped. Okay, Daniel 9. 27 11 31 12 12 13 matthew 24 15 jesus called the abomination of desolation so there's not only going to be a rebuilt jewish temple they're going to reinstitute the animal sacrifices but then there's going to come a period of time where they are stopped they are stopped by this entity that claims to be god when that temp when those temple sacrifices are stopped you have exactly three and a half years before jesus returns we'll recognize that now, now let me just say a word there is no temple right now Okay, so they, this can't happen. But there's two groups in Israel right now, and they've been around for a while. One is called the Temple Mount Faithful. faithful. The other is called the Temple Mount Institute, and they, they have architectural plans for the new temple. They have trained the priests. They have uh, woven the clothing that the priests will use. They've built the furniture. They are very serious people about rebuilding the temple. And we are living at a time in history where for the first time in 1953 years this could happen okay and it could be, it could happen probably within a year and a half in other words if they were allowed to start construction about a year and a half they estimate they could have it up now obviously right now it would cause the biggest war imaginable but the biggest war imaginable might already be starting we just don't know that yet so keep your eye on the temple for this entity to proclaim himself as God and then for the temple sacrifices to be stopped. And then finally, when Jesus returns, when he literally physically returns and it says his feet stand upon the Mount of Olives, the physical Mount of Olives, at that time Jerusalem is under siege. It says so, so bad is the siege that only one-third of the Jews will, will survive it. So here again, you have something to, to look. Watch the Middle East. Watch the geopolitical occurrences, particularly the wars. Uh, watch the technology and the developments in it because these things are all converging for the first time in human history. We don't know how unique and anomalous we are because we've always had this technology, but many of the prof prophecies of the Bible could not have been fulfilled until electricity and, more importantly, computerization and AI. I, I'm going to just give you something I said in the first service. This is just a personal prediction. Don't take it to the bank, but just tuck it away. I, I think if time goes on, we're going to see more and more major national decisions and global decisions made by AI. And the way they're going to sell this to us is they're going to say these machines are way smarter than us, and they make their decisions data-based. They have no prejudice they're they're completely pure they're completely objective they have no feelings now of course somebody's programming these things so that's not altogether true but they're going to sell us on this and more and more of our lives i suspect will be controlled by decisions made by ai we, we live in a very very strange time in human history so you have a tool now so that if any of these major occurrences happen, you, you kind of know a time frame. Now, like I say, some of them are really time sensitive. This entity coming into the temple and the temple sacrifices being stopped, 
there's exactly three and a half years before Christ returns. I don't have the time to go into the exact scriptures, but it's repeated all through the book of Revelation, book of Daniel, and so forth. All right, but you now are no longer in darkness that the day should overtake you because you now have the light of God's word. And that's what it says in 1 Thessalonians. It says that these events are not going to overtake God's people. It's going to overtake most of the unwatchful world because they don't understand the revelation that God's given of himself in his word. All right, what we need to do then to rise to the perception challenges we need to strengthen ourselves we in other words we need our discernment powers we need our perception powers to be stronger because lots of stuff is going to be happening lots of deception lots of turbulence and we're going to need to be very very clear and have our discernment and our, our perception strengthened so let's look at how we can do that strengthen yourself for the approaching spiritual darkness book of philippians chapter one it says that prayer prayer can strengthen us spiritually uh, enlarge expand strengthen our perception our discernment uh, the very act of prayer and then the act of praying for one another the result can be that that if you pray for me and I pray for you our capacity to discern to see the signs of the times to know good from evil to see deeper into things will will actually be expanded Paul says this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight he's saying i want you to love more and more but i want your love to be knowledgeable i want it to have insight how many of you know you can ruin somebody with the wrong kind of love you can spoil somebody you can wreck them you can enable them right so sometimes love needs to be deeper discerning wise you need to to do the things that are for a person's ultimate good highest good long-term good not their immediate gratification okay so that's what he's praying there so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. It's talking about the return of Christ. So Paul is saying our perception, our discernment powers can be strengthened as we pray, and then as we pray for one another, God will answer that prayer and, and strengthen us. We'll see more clearly. We'll, we'll be fine-tuned to things. If you remember back, any of you that were, were here in the second message of the series where I did about the flesh, and I had all these diagrams of the way God originally created us to function, God intends for our God-enlightened reasoning faculties, imagination, and conscience to kind of work together when we're connected to God's truth to be the governing station in our souls, in our bodies. So our God-enlightened reasoning and fac faculties and our conscience converge with God's word and that's meant to rule over what we think about what we don't think about it's meant to rule over our feelings what we desire what we don't desire it's meant to rule over our body but those faculties our spirit has to be stronger strengthened in order to rule how many of you will admit today there has been at least one time in your life where you did something so stupid you can still hardly believe it can I just see your hands <laughs> yeah now when you look back on it now your god enlightened reasoning faculties tell you that was crazy why why would i ever say that do that participate in that you know you look back now and now you would not be tempted let me rephrase that you would be able to overcome the temptation were you to be tempted to do that same thing again okay so you might still be tempted because you know there's a little bit of pleasure in the beginning of it maybe 
but you wouldn't do it anymore. Why? Because you have grown. Your God-enlightened reasoning faculties, your conscience have now been calibrated to the Word of God, and you are stronger, and those faculties are strong enough to say no to your thoughts, no to your desires, no to your body, and that's God's design. We're spirit, soul, and body. The spirit is meant to rule over the soul and the body. And prayer strengthens our spirit, our God enlightened reasoning faculties and our conscience and our imagination and can empower us to be much more perceptive and discerning. And we're going to need that in these times of darkness that are coming. Let me take you to another one. Ephesians 5 says, You were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Our union with Christ, because He is the light of the world, we walk based on His truth. We become light to others, live as children of light, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather do what? Now, this calls for some caution. This verse is not, it's not calling for us to just you know intrude into everybody's life around us and tell them what they're doing wrong how many of you met people like that they are such fun people i mean you just love having them around and of course they're perfect so they can they can do this but you know and i know even if you love somebody and you see that they're making a train wreck they're they're about to, to destroy their lives and you want to derail them you want to save them you want to rescue them but but getting the right approach it is extraordinarily hard because, you know, they're going to say, well, who are you to tell me what to do? You know, you're not perfect either, right? Isn't that what they always say? Um, so how, how do we expose, how do we expose that the works of darkness are destructive? They're, they're not good for them. How do we tactfully do this? That's what it's talking about. As, as our spiritual perception and our spirits get stronger, we get wisdom. We, we learn how to tactfully do this. Uh, one of the things that the Lord showed me that I shared with you guys a while back, but I'll refresh you with it because it might be a tool you want to stick away somewhere. I learned that if you take any concept and you apply it globally, it becomes crystal clear whether it's good or evil, whether it's desirable or undesirable. For example, simple as this. The Bible tells us to speak the truth, speak the truth in love. So let's ask ourselves the question. If everybody in the world, everywhere, all the time, spoke the truth, would the world be a better place than it is today? How many would say, yes, it would be better if everybody everywhere spoke the truth all the time? Can I see your hands? Sure, we all know it would. Except when somebody asks you how they look in a certain outfit. Then you, <laughs> you can reverse it. And this is where the test comes in. You can say, okay, if it's okay to lie, let's, let's test it out. Let's have everybody everywhere lie all the time. Is the world better or worse? Obvious, right? It's worse. You can take any concept. So, so if you're prayerfully, tactfully, humbly wanting to show someone that their pathway, their lifestyle, their decision-making process is going to be destructive, one of the ways you might be able to do it is take one of these principles, whatever it is they're thinking of doing. So maybe they're thinking of having an affair. You just say to them, okay, if affairs are okay, if they're good, let's everybody have an affair everywhere, all the time, <laughs> right? And, and you, they'll see immediately how idiotic that concept is. Well, then why would it be right for you now? What if you're on the other side of it? So, so there's ways that we can reason with people tactfully and expose 
that darkness is authentic god doesn't just arbitrarily make up concepts he loves us he knows what's best he wants what's best and when we get attuned to him and our perception starts to get enhanced we can we can bring some light to other people's lives that's what it's talking about let me take you to one more in the book of hebrews this is a really cool one the book of hebrews is written about three years before the destruction of the temple and some of the believers were starting to waver they were ready to walk away from christ because you know they were having such a hard time being persecuted and so forth and some of them were stunted in their growth have you ever known a christian stunted in their growth in other words they've been a christian a long time but they're no different than they were the day they say they first put their trust in christ anybody know some christians like that yeah they're 10 20 years into it but they're unchanged in their conduct there's something wrong with that so anyone so he's talking about christians who were stunted in their growth anyone who lives on milk being still and what infant when we first put our trust in christ we are born anew born again we're babes in christ it is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness but solid food is for the who mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish what good from evil use it or lose it you ever heard a concept right you, you, you want to strengthen something you got to stress it this is saying that the mature christian is one that has exercised his spiritual senses to discern good and evil starting in themselves and first and foremost in ourselves not in others necessarily but as we start becoming more acquainted with using listening to that conscience listening to that god enlightened reasoning faculty as it unites with god's word and we start really scrutinizing first ourselves so we can rid ourselves of evil we become very sensitized to evil in all of its various forms and so that's what that's saying that that spiritual maturity is a result of being aware on elevated levels perceiving on elevated levels every aspect of evil first in ourselves then we'll see it in society more clearly as well romans 12 gives us an illustration of what this really looks like in practice love must be sincere but then here's the practice component of getting our spiritual senses more uh, aware of evil hate what is evil and cling to what is good we're going through a transition time where it is going to be harder and harder to cling to what is good but it's going to be equally important for us to learn to actually see classify and then hate that which is evil which means we have to not only see the what we have to see the why behind evil we have to be able to discern the damage that evil really does because we're living in a time where tolerance of evil is pretty much par for the course all right let me kind of wrap it up with this rising to the perception challenge brings when we rise to the perception challenge okay so i know i'm going through a transition time i may be privileged to see the return of christ and there's going to be a lot of darkness and confusion first before the before the birth of the new age there's going to be the birth pains and i need to be prepared and i'm going to do what i can to prepare myself based on god's truth but if i do that and i prepare myself no matter how dark it gets i'm going to have first of all clarity i'm going to know who i am i'm going to know why i'm here i'm going to know where i'm going i'm going to know the lord is with me he will enable me to do what i need to do when i need to do it he'll give me the courage i need for for when i need it and, and so i have clarity i understand what's happening in the world i don't think that the world is just going crazy and being random if i'm you know one that is 
taking in God's truth, particularly his prophetic truth at this time in history, I'm going to have clarity. Clarity is powerful. Most people that I meet with uh, these days don't have clarity on many issues in their lives. Now, if we have clarity that we receive from God, then that brings personal convictions. I meet even fewer people that have personal convictions. Personal convictions is, is usually the product of, of experience. You know, we do something, we try something, we experience the consequences or the benefits, and now we have experience and we develop convictions. I'll always do this because now I've seen the results, or I'll never do that again because I've seen the results. I have a personal conviction. I don't care what you think anymore. I have a conviction. Clarity from God's Word can bring internal convictions when we process it in His presence. As, as much as I appreciate the, the uh, privilege that's been given me that I get to share God's truth with you guys, the further truth is, unless you take the truth that I share with you and get alone with God and, and process it in His presence and start asking Him those childlike questions, but, but Lord, I know you don't want us to do that, but why don't you want us to do it? Lord, I know you want us to do this, but why do you want us? When you process God's truth in God's presence, He'll illuminate you, and the truth that you had up here will lodge down here, and they will become personal convictions in you. We don't have to learn everything the hard way is what I'm trying to say. That's, that's usually the way we get convictions, learning the hard way, but we don't have to, at least not all the time, albeit I've learned a lot that way. And then that brings courage. When we have clarity and we have personal convictions, it doesn't matter how stinking dark it is, I know who I am. I know why I'm here. I know the Lord. I know I can trust Him. I know He's for me. I know He's with me. I know He'll see me through, and I know I may have the privilege of serving Him until His very kingdom and coming. That gives me what I lack, which is courage. We're going to need courage for the coming times, and courage is what God wants to give us as we rise to this perception challenge. It's seeing and understanding what's occurring that will give us the courage we need so instead of being unnecessarily jolted, hurt, crippled, hampered by the changes that are coming, and they're going to be rapid and difficult, we won't be knocked out, we won't be injured, we'll be, in fact, strengthened. This is the irony. When you know what God has predicted, and it starts to happen, it builds your trust. It builds your faith. It gives you courage. It, it, it brings not a joy that the earth is going through difficult seasons but the joy of knowing the birth of the kingdom of God is on its way I mean it's it's been dark enough on this planet for long enough and we might be allowed the privilege of being those that usher in the very return of Christ you got to have the perception challenge down now so first question to ask is this man if you've heard this truth today and yet the truth about you is that you have not yet actually put your trust in Christ and become his follower you've got a grand opportunity today the scripture says that if you make that simple decision to put your trust in Christ and become his follower God forgives all of your sins he gives you the free gift of everlasting life in his kingdom he promises never to leave you never to forsake you he'll lead you by the hand through whatever life brings but you've got to be willing to trust him so if you're here today and you've never put your trust in Christ and become his follower man I hope I hope so much that you will do that today before you leave people do that here frequently Sunday in and Sunday out I hope maybe this will be the day for one of you for we that are followers of Christ 
let's be grown up about this it's time to get our perception our discernment capacities expanded enhanced enlarged because times are coming that we're going to need we're going to need to see and we're going to need to understand and we're going to need to be able to react appropriately let's pray father we thank you that your love prepares us in advance and you're never going to leave us and never going to forsake us and you've told us you will disproportionately reward our faithfulness for all eternity to come we need that kind of vision father may your spirit give it to us this day we ask it all in christ's name amen